The biggest surprises of 2023. Trade deadline teams, undervalued players, waiver wire, injuries, and more. That's all coming up with former Major League player Cody Decker next on Beat the Shift. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast, presented by Fangraphs. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me, as always, is Ruven Guy. How are you, Ruven? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. I apologize to all of you guys for last week. We canceled the show. We had a rain out after that smoke out the other day, and we had to make up two softball games against the two best teams, and we crushed them both, 11-0 and 6-3. We ended up as the number two seed in the playoffs. Uh, I, I pitched two gems back-to-back uh, in uh, doubleheader, 12 innings in total. Uh, so uh, sorry about that, but we're back today. What's going on with you, Ruben? Yeah, my son graduated eighth grade, starting high school next year. That's why I couldn't make it. So, yes, yeah, it's both of us. We both had good things going on and only good things. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I also have an eighth grader, and his graduation was yesterday. Same time as the wild card playoffs, but we got the first round by, so... Well, it's good. I didn't have to miss anything or uh, put it this way. I didn't have to have any conflict. My wife would have killed me. Uh, anyways, <laughs> we got a great show today. Um, you might know him from uh, FS1. You might know him from uh, the show Off Base on MLB Network. Or maybe you know him from playing in the Major League Baseball. Cody Decker, welcome to the show. How are you, Cody? No. Welcome to the show, you, that you have invited me on. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much. I am very jazzed to be here. And if anyone knows who I am, get a life. <laughs> <laughs> ah, awesome. And uh, by the way, I wanted to say it was so much fun hanging out with you uh, uh, during Tout Wars week uh, back in March. And I know you also uh, analyzed my labor draft. So uh, <laughs> nice to hang out with you and chat about it. And uh, we, we talked a lot about Christian Walker. who We uh, did. Yeah, who you said we've hit 40 home runs this year. It's mm-hmm. close to that. What, what do you think about him? He's off to a great start. He's got 15 right now. What he has really been has been an RBI machine. He's sitting on 49. Uh, the OPS of 844, not to mention the guy has been like a career, like 2 to 230 hitter, 240 hitter. And this year, 271, man. He's off to a great start. I'm, I couldn't be prouder of this guy. He is uh, an off-the-charts great guy off the field, not to mention on the field, just talent. Uh, I, I feel like he's been pigeonholed as a first baseman, which is strange. He's not a big guy, right, right guy, about you know six foot tall, maybe 5'11", big power. But the fact that he's been pigeonholed at first base because he's an athletic enough guy that I think he could be actually be versatile enough, hit up third base, hit up the outfield. But, man, I love what he's doing. And, uh, you know, I'm also very thrilled to be right. Yeah. And he stole a base today, too. He's got a little little hint of speed. His batting average, 271, highest of his career. What really speaks to me, though, is his strikeout rate down to 17%. That's a contact hitter. Last year with 20%, this is the best of his career. So it's not just the, the power. It's the average. It's everything going. He looks great on, on the uh, Raswell player rater. He is just about equivalent to Fernando Tatis and Jose Ramirez this year. And he's in a great lineup. That that plays into it. He's got those a couple of speedsters in that lineup, and that's the whole reason why he's not even playing in the outfield. He's not playing in the outfield because they got so many outfielders to play there. They got those rabbits there. They saw the other day Corbin Carroll scored from first on a single, which Today. is just amazing to think about. Insane. So if you have those guys ahead of you and you're getting the chance to bat them in, I, you know that's a great position for him. 
On top of that, man, like, I, I don't know if you, you remember me talking about this, but I was talking up the Diamondbacks big time booths preseason. I really think they were a playoff team from the get-go, and a lot of people weren't paying attention to them, basically because, you know, the Los Angeles Dodgers are there, and the San Diego Padres were making such gigantic splashes that you could not ignore them, because on paper, the Diamondbacks should not be a playoff team compared to the Dodgers or the uh, San Diego Padres. And look at what the Giants are doing right now as well. But yeah, the San Diego, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks were a team that was poised and ready to make a playoff run. Kettle Marte coming into what he is, um, not to mention just the other young talent. Even, even Paven Smith, a guy that, of all the players and young prospects on this team, uh, he was a guy probably I expected the least amount from, and he has been doing a phenomenal job making the transition to the outfield as well. So, dude, this is a team that I do also think is one pitcher away from really making a deep run, but can you imagine if this team got their hands on like a Corbin Burns at the trade deadline? They, they'll be deadly. Yeah, speaking of trade deadline, you know, what do you think is going to happen this uh, this time around? You think it's going to be a very active one? You think it's going to be a passive one? Uh, the last couple of seasons have been just absolutely jacked. What do you think about that? Uh, I got to assume it's going to be the opposite. I got to think it's going to be a little passive, and I hope I'm wrong because these last two seasons have been killer. Um, it's, it's going through the leagues and the divisions and deciding who are the buyers and sellers. We know that the A's are sellers, but quite frankly, do they have a single piece that anyone's really going to want all that much that's going to demand a high price? The answer is a staggering no. Um, you look at the Royals. Yeah, you can maybe get something for Chapman, but that's mainly because everybody's bullpens are shot to complete hell. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers go after him, if the Yankees go after him, bring him back. Although we've already seen the experiment of Chapman in the Bronx. I can't imagine them wanting to have that relocation happen. Um, and then you look at other teams like the White Sox. Yeah, I want to sit here and say, yeah, the White Sox are absolute sellers. They are five games out of first place in the worst division in Major League Baseball. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they can make a little run for it. And at the end of the day, we saw last year with the Phillies going all the way to the World Series, a team that absolutely backed into the playoffs last second and were buyers under 500 at the trade deadline. It, it's really not out of the realm of reality that a lot of these buyer, these sellers turn into buyers because why not? Yeah, you know, the White Sox, ordinarily, I'd say, you know, if they're going to sell, they'll sell on a guy like Liam Hendricks, a closer, yes. but they're not doing that this year, right? I, I can't imagine, and, like, that, that's not the only name. Like, Joe Kelly, uh, must, uh, uh, Joe Kelly immediately comes to mind as a guy that can help a team right now. The Dodgers, honest to God, I feel like the Dodgers and the Angels are two teams that have the exact same needs. The Dodgers need bullpen help. Their bullpen has been the absolute atrocious thing that's been taking place. Uh, the, the Angels could always use bullpen help and starting rotation help, not to mention that both teams need infield depth. So I suggested Tim Anderson about the Angels. The Dodgers could use Tim Anderson. I know he's having a really rough year, but man, some off the field stuff, everything that's been going on with him, uh, a lot of injuries. I feel like if he just got a change of scenery, and I know that's such an old cliche, change of scenery doesn't really matter. It does. I played in this game for 11 years, and I got some changes of scenery that were very, very helpful. Um, I think he needs to get out of the south side, man. I really do. And you get him out to a team like the Dodgers, he can help that team win. You get him to the Angels, he can help that team win. That Angels team currently has Anthony Rendon on the IL. They got uh, Zach Nato on the IL. They got Urshela gone for the year. They need infield depth pretty badly, Not to, which is why they actually went out and got hot, sired uh, Ryan Murphy last week, a name we did never thought we'd hear from again.
Yeah. Rufane, who do you think is a surprise buyer for you? Uh, I mean, uh, the Orioles, to me, are uh, a team that they have the elements to win. I don't see the Orioles making a huge splash at the deadline, but I can see them approaching the deadline quicker than most and going for these medium pieces. I also like the Marlins. I think we've seen the Marlins make a lot of trades and a lot of splashes, surprisingly even in the past at the deadline. And they've got a great core. I mean, Arias, can he hit 400? Who knows? Alcantara, he's got to be better than this. Um, what, what do you think, Ruvain? Who's uh, your uh, teams that you think are going to be in it for the buying? Well, to buy, obviously, obviously the Padres are going to go for buy, go in. They're 100%. They're always all in, it seems like. The Blue Jays are going to be buyers, but the surprise buyers, I think, are going to be the Reds. That central division is so weak that they have a chance of actually getting into the playoffs and winning the division. They And once they're in the playoffs, anything can happen, as, as we saw last year. So... Initially, we all thought that Alexis, um, Alexis Diaz, the closer for the Reds, was going to be the top guy on the trade on the trade uh, um, on the trade um, list to get traded for, and he's now not going to be available for anybody. So it's very interesting. But what I think, though, is two surprise sellers. Well, the Cubs, I think, are going to sell. I'll be, I wouldn't be surprised if they sell Marcus Stroman because this is the height of his value. They can probably get the most for him right now. But don't be surprised if the Mets are sellers. The Mets may want to dump some salary because they may want to take on salary next year. I hope not. Well, that's being a Met fan, I hope not too. But the way things are trending, they don't look like they're turning anything around anytime soon. In terms of the season so far, what, what do you think has been the biggest surprise in the MLB so far for you? Texas Rangers. I did not expect this team to be competing this quickly. I did not expect them to hold the AL West the way they are. And I sure as hell, when they started this run, I was expecting it like the, you know, I was expecting it to be the bubble that was going to burst and never did. Um, at one point, you got to acknowledge that this team is actually real and they are real. Their bullpen is pitching well. Their starting staff is doing a hell of a job and they are just scoring runs at an, a borderline infinite rate right now. Um, I think it's a bit of a surprise the Minnesota Twins are exactly where they were last year. I thought this team got better in the offseason by getting their hands on a Pablo Lopez. I thought it was almost madness that they allowed the Miami Marlins allowed Pablo Lopez to go. But look, they got Luis Arise hitting 400 right now. They're looking like they absolutely dominated this deal. Um, I think the Marlins are a surprise. I'm actually surprised on the flip side that the Mariners are not playing well yet. This is a team that was a playoff team last year, should be a playoff team this year. And as of right now, we're currently sitting fourth in the AL West, and they should not be in that spot. But there is a caveat on that team, and it's the fact that this team has been very poor the first half of the season, three straight years in these last two years. Obviously, last year, the playoff run, but the year before that, they almost got within a half game of the playoff run. Um, they've had big second halves, and quite frankly, I'm waiting for this team to be a full season team. This should be a 105-win ball club with the actual squad they're putting out there, obviously losing Robbie Ray Hurts, but this team needs to get their act together, and they need to get their act together fast. Yeah, I can see them trading away Suarez and being sellers. Uh, I definitely think that, yeah, they were definitely a surprise bad. You know, as far as Texas goes, uh, I think it's incredible that you lose Jacob deGrom pretty much for the year, and their staff has been this good. Nadia Valdi has been one of the top five pitchers in baseball. Uh, John Gray has been great. Martin Perez still doing what he's been doing last year, and Andrew Heaney finally healthy, doing great. Dane Dunning is turning his career season unbelievable. And I love the Twins. The Twins, I love their pitching staff. I love the way they treat pitchers. Uh, Pablo Lopez, you mentioned already. Bailey Ober has been great. 
Joe Ryan, he pitched nine complete shutout innings today. Unbelievable. Uh, they've got a great staff. Yeah, that's one of those trades, I, I think, with the Reyes that worked out for both teams. As far as surprises, Corbin Carroll, to me, you know, heading into the season, you always take a look at these flashy prospects, and some of them pan out, some of them don't. As a projections guy myself, I never bet on the prospects. I mean, for every prospect that makes it, three of them go bust. Uh, but he's absolutely stellar this year. $43 player in a 15-team mixed Roto League. Number three on the player radar. He, we all knew he was good, but he has just taken it to uh, the next level. I was talking before the show with uh, Ruvain, and you know Ruvain's uh, bold prediction this uh, this year was that somebody's going to go 40-40. Two players. Two, two players. Two players. Two players. Yeah, Corbin Carroll right there with it. Not only that, I mean, guys, I, I kind of thought it was going to be that. I didn't think it was going to be this good, but the Arizona Diamondbacks are not an organization that is used to spending money. They sure as hell don't extend rookies to $100 million contracts unless they know they got themselves a blue chipper. And the moment that happened, that was the moment I said, the Diamondbacks are going to the playoffs this year because they're not paying this kid if they don't think he is the truth. And uh, off of the Arias thing that we were mentioning before, the one thing that surprised me the most was that there are only nine hitters in baseball that are batting over 300. We thought with the shift gone that the batting averages would go up, but it's, it's gone up overall in general. But we, there are only nine players batting over 300, which is, I think, a big surprise to most anyone because people thought, oh, yeah, no shift. It's, it's an advantage to the hitters. Lefty hitters will hit for a higher average. It really hasn't really panned out that much. And, and Madison Bumgarner... And you're still paying for him, and they're still doing this great. So incredible run by the Diamondbacks. Uh, let's talk undervalued players for the rest of the season. Uh, Cody, what are your thoughts on uh, somebody who, you know, might be a little bit better than the market uh, or most people think? You know, there's a guy that uh, we all kind of undervalued going in. I thought it was Max Muncie. I know he's hurt right now with the hamstring issue. But I truly think that when he comes back, he's going to continue the exact streak he was on because that guy, it's not even a talent issue. It's like he needs just motivation. You give him some motivation, he's going to go uh, absolutely crazy. Not to mention that, Cody Bellinger. I do think this guy's turned something around a little bit. He just got off the IL and has actually struggled since coming off the IL. If the Cubs end up being sellers, he's a name that I expect to be coming around. But yeah, he's a guy that's absolutely outperformed what we've seen these last couple of years. Ruben, how about you? I got two, and they're acting to be both Phillies. Alec Bohm, he's, he's, last year he hit for a higher average and hit for more power in the second half of the season, so I expect the same thing from him. And Kyle Schwarber, he can't have that bad of an average. Last year he batted around 204 for the first half of the season. Second half of the season he batted 230, but had a higher home run rate, had a higher walk rate. And all this together, I think both of them together will both flourish in the second half just because the Phillies seem like a second-half team to me. I think Ryan McMahon... Uh, who, who's come on really strong in the past uh, month. He's got eight homers and 23 RBIs, fourth in war over the last uh, 30 days. Rockies score a lot of runs. They play in quite a good ballpark, especially for fantasy basis. Ryan McMahon, I think, is an undervalued player. We were on him before the season. And how about Josh Naylor? Nine homers, five stolen bases, almost a 300 batting average with 55 RBIs. Who saw that coming? Uh, but I think he is undervalued. I don't think the market has caught up to him. Uh, he's the better uh, corner infielder in Cleveland, uh, better than Josh Bell, in my opinion. So a little bit about you, Cody. want to do a little, uh, little personal about you. And, you know, we had on the show earlier this year uh, Matt Mervis, uh, first baseman for the Cubs, and he played on Team Israel this year. 
wanted to get your thoughts on uh, your experience playing on Team Israel over your career. Great experience. I got to meet a great group of guys. I got to, uh, you know, it was always a dream of mine to play in Japan. Um, I know that sounds a little crazy, but I, I always dreamed that at one point I'd play for the Yimiyuri Giants or Ch Chinichi Dragons. Uh, my favorite baseball movie outside of The Natural is unquestionably, unquestionably Tom Selleck's classic Mr. Baseball, where he played Tom... Uh, I believe his character's name was Jack Elliott. Yes, it was Jack Elliott. He played for the Chunichi Dragons after coming off the uh, Yankees. And as that player, Jack Elliott, who did lead the New York Yankees the year before in the month of August in eighth inning doubles, I think that um, playing in Japan was just like this magical experience, especially playing in the Tokyo Dome against Japan. Uh, it was, I've, I've never seen anything like it. Um, so that that of of all my Timmy is real things playing in Japan that's that that really takes the cake. Yeah. By the way, what are your top uh, three or four baseball movies of all time? Number one, The Natural. Number two, Mister Baseball. Number three, Bull Durham. You can throw a major league and a league of their own in the mix. Outside of that, it's pretty much a crapshoot of absolute horridness. If anyone says Field of Dreams, feel free to throw that person into a fire. That ah. is a terrible movie, and anyone that th says otherwise, honestly, it does not belong in my universe. That's so funny. I feel the same way. I I'm not a Field of Dreams guy. I did not like it at all. Uh, I kind of like, uh, I don't know why, kid movie Angels in the Outfield. I just thought ah. that was well done. As a child, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But, you know, growing up later in life, I'm like, yeah. Christopher Lloyd could have done more. Christopher Lloyd is in every great movie of all time. Christopher Lloyd doesn't miss Christopher Lloyd phoned that one in. Yeah. Well, I, I, what about Naked Gun 33 and a Third? I think that was a good baseball movie if you can't read. Number one. The first yeah. one. The Number first one. one. Yeah, the Angels. Big, big game against the Mariners, baby. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to love that. That is a baseball movie. I will not hear otherwise. Oh, absolutely. That, that one scene is probably the, the greatest. Uh, Enrico Palazzo. Uh, <laughs> greatest scene. Some of the uh, it's Enrico Palazzo! <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so uh, tell me, Cody, uh, you know, you've played for a number of organizations around uh, Major League Baseball. Um, and, you know, you talked about change of scenery. Did you see a very different philosophy among the different teams? Like going from team to team, did they really strike you as doing different things for the good and worse? I don't give away any secrets here. But, yes. you know, yeah. Yes. Completely. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, leaving the San Diego Padres with, at, at the time was a bit of a mess, and they, I know they got their act together after I left, but I was there the first year of the Preller year, and there was a lot of turnover, so there wasn't really a direction for the organization at that point. You go, I went over to the Royals, and the Royals kind of had this very old-school mentality, but it was also very unique to see at the time this was a team that just won the World Series, and the big league side and the minor league side were so disconnected that it was almost strange to see. I go over to the Rockies. They were a complete mess. And then I go over to the uh, New York, uh, no, not New York Mets. I go to the Boston Red Sox, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. There's a reason this team has been the Boston Red Sox for as long as they have. Organization, through the roof, metrics, everything you need, they had. Um, I go over to the Brewers. It was a skeleton factory over there. I then went to the Mets. They had nothing and then some. Wonderful people, but truly, they were a mess of an organization at the time. I go over the Arizona Diamondbacks, which was all the Red Sox guys moved over to the Diamondbacks. And my goodness, there's a reason why the Arizona Diamondbacks are doing exactly what they're doing right now. Um, change in philosophy. 
communication with players, understanding of what the actual team accomplishments are going to be, understanding what roles need to be going forward, understanding that it's going to take a little bit of sacrifice, not to mention adjustment on what the things you need to do, Um, willingness to adjust and accept new philosophies while still maintaining the old ones. Uh, An organization that has the coaching staff in lockstep with the front office staff in knowing exactly how we're going to implement these said metrics, implement said new techniques. There is a reason the Arizona Diamondbacks are exactly where they are right now. There's a reason why the Milwaukee Brewers stand pat every year at being the disappointment they are every year. There's a reason why the Rockies are in last place every single year. Yeah, and, and that just perpetuates and uh, until they change, until they decide to uh, change the philosophy, import talent from other sceneries, import uh, people who know what they're doing and uh, have a different philosophy. I, I know the Mets have changed. They have. And again, I was, I was like two regimes ago, a different yeah. ownership group, different front office, everything. And, and again, the front office and guys I was with were phenomenal, great people, great coaching staffs and everything. But as far as the direction of the organization and as far as organization went at the time, a bit of a disaster. Now, that was 2017. It's a different world now. Right. Absolutely. All right. Before we go any further, it's time for the Injury Gurus Trivia of the Week. So, Cody, this trivia is specifically geared toward you. This is a test of trivia and of your memory. You were in the minors for almost 10 years, and this is from 2010, your first year in AA with the Padres. There were two players on the roster with you that are still in the majors right now. Who are they? Still in the majors from the 2010 team? Yeah, your first year in AA with the Padres. Okay, so I was drafted in... From 2010, San Antonio. Let's see now. Going through that team, we were minor league team of the year that year, I believe. We were actually minor league team of the year three out of four years during my time in those early years. Um, Won a championship in San Antonio and in um, Fort Wayne. I'm trying to think on that team, though. Uh, 2012 was Miles Michaelis. He was not on the 2010 team. Yes, he was. He was not. He was on the 20. He was on the 2012 team. I remember it very well. He was my roommate. Uh, according to um, baseball reference, he was on the 2010 and 2011 team also. He was on the roster. That, that's what it said there. So, so but we he won was, the champion. What? So here's how it went. 2009, I got drafted. I was in low A, Fort Wayne, after I was in the AZL. 2010, I was actually in uh, low A, high A, California League, and I spent the entire year at Lake Elsinore. 2012 was the year you're referring, 2011 was my first year there, won a title. That was the year we had Miles Michaelis, who joined us that year. The other one that joined us halfway through was Jed Jerko. He went to the big leagues, but he's not the other guy. Correct. Um, 2011. It's it's not Nick Hundley because he was on that roster also. He was, but he was a big leaguer at the time. He came down and rehabbed. Um, I'm going to say it was, is Brad Brock still in the big leagues? No, he's not. Ah! But but you're you're on the right track. It is a reliever. So it's got to be a relief pitcher. Who could it have been? Is there a lefty that we had? Maybe. I'm not gonna lie to you. I have no idea who was I've on got that no 20, clue. 2011 Anthony, team. Who was it? Anthony Bass. Oh, he just got sent down. Nice try. I win. <laughs> well, he's he's still in the majors. He he wasn't sent down. He was actually released. That's why you know. But, but there actually, and there are two players on that on that roster who are still in the minor league systems. Robbie Erlin. On the Dodger, he's on the Dodger system, and Joe Whelan is in the Oakland system. Right I now. did know Joe. I did not know Robbie was still playing. It's funny that year; they was those were also two players that got traded over to us. 
uh, midseason from Texas. And what's funny about that is Joe Whelan, and we won like 106 games that season, but I'll never forget it. Joe Whelan got traded to us, and it was such a cheat because one of the very few games we lost, we got no hit by Joe Whelan. Interesting. <laughs> well, what, what advice would you give players coming up to the majors today? Um, take it day by day. Understand what they're gonna, what role they're gonna put you into. Uh, make sure you have communication and what your role is and what your job is. When I got called up, I was told I was gonna play. I didn't play. Um, I then started pinch hitting. I'd never pinch hit a day in my life, and now I'm pinch hitting against closers. And now I have five pinch hit at bats, and that's my entire career at that point. And it's it's tricky. So make sure you know what you're going into. Make sure you're able to adjust uh, and make sure you understand what you're adjusting to. At no point was I told I was pinch hitting. I was literally told I was coming up to play. Uh, I got one start in the big leagues. Unfortunately, I never got another opportunity at the major league level. I spent the rest of my career stuck in AAA. Um, I got to break a lot of AAA records. It's not something I got into baseball to do. So you got to make sure you're ready to adjust. Make sure you're willing to make any adjustment put in front of you and understand what those adjustments are for. What, uh, what player or coach most affected you throughout your playing career? John Gibbons. Uh, John Gibbons was my double-A manager in 2012. Um, having a man of his ilk, believe in me, um, was something that was insurmountable to my career in life. Uh, Pat Murphy also comes to mind. Uh, I loved Pat Murphy. Um, he was very good to me. Um, I don't trust Pat Murphy, but I love him. Um, but John Gibbons was unquestionably my favorite manager. It's not even, honestly, it's not even a close second. All right. Well, thank you so much, Cody, for coming on the show. Uh, we'll be right back with waiver wire pitcher preview and the injury report with Ruvain. All right, we're back. Uh, great segment, uh, by Cody Decker and, uh, Good luck, Ruvain, trying to convince him that Miles Michaelis was was on his team. I, I mean, I looked it up on Baseball Reference. I mean, <laughs> is Baseball Reference wrong? I mean, I may have looked at the wrong year, but I mean, I did see Michaelis. I saw I saw Cody Decker's name. I saw Anthony Bass's name. You know, I I I I, I have been wrong before. I have I been mean, wrong before. I mean, he was his roommate, so <laughs> good okay. luck with that one. All right. So I, I, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, good stuff. Uh, great perspective. Uh, but let's continue here with our waiver wire picks. Ruben, who's the waiver wire guy that you're looking at this week for your fantasy team? I actually got three of them. The first one, I think we had mentioned him before. It's Yanir Diaz, the catcher from Houston. He's been playing catcher and DH with Jordan Alvarez out. He's batting 277 on the year with seven homers and 15 RBIs, but three of those homers, six of those RBIs, and a 333 average has been in the last week. He's only owned in 16% of CBS leagues, and in a, if you have a two-catcher league, you should definitely grab him because he has eligibility there. Another guy I want to mention is Ryan O'Hearn of Baltimore. He's been hitting with Moncastle out. Moncastle is supposed to come back over the weekend. It is possible he'll come back because he's on a rehab assignment. Um, but, and so Baltimore has a quandary because O'Hearn has been hitting. He's batting 341 on the year with six homers and 20 RBIs. He's only 11% owned in CBS, so if you need a corner infielder for the weekend or maybe even beyond because he will get some playing time, he's a guy to look for. And another guy who's a little bit under the radar just because he plays for the Nationals, that's Luis Garcia. He's only owned in 30% of CBS leagues. Now, his numbers don't jump out at you. 
but he's very consistent. He's batting 283. He's got five homers and three stolen bases. He's eligible at shortstop and second, and he's a great filling guy to have. You don't have to worry about him destroying your average. He will give you the occasional home run and stolen base, like I mentioned. So he's a guy, if you need a fill-in in, in the middle infield, he's a guy you could plug in. Yeah, Mountcastle have been, had been ice cold before he went on the I.L., so, yeah, I'm curious to see what they're actually going to do afterwards. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you, you took uh, Yanir Diaz. He was on my list. Uh, I think that's a great call. Four homers in the last 12 days. 277, seven homers on the year in just 37 games. Uh, absolutely. Especially if you're in a two-catcher league. Excellent, excellent pick. Um, I'll throw out Tommy Pham. We have mentioned him before. He's got seven homers, eight stolen bases, batting 260 on the year. That's about a 15 to 20 homer and stolen base pace. Um, could stick with the Mets as a DH even more. I can see him getting more playing time as uh, he's doing well. Um, but I want to mention two uh, relief pitchers out there. Jordan Hicks, 40% owned. He saved three games in a row this week on consecutive nights. That tells you something when they're bringing him in in the ninth, three consecutive games. Helsley uh, a little bit on the mend. Gallegos, tur- He's perfectly capable, but instead they went to Hicks. So he becomes very, very, very interesting. I don't know. Uh, uh, moving to, in terms of sellers, you know, the Cardinals, they, they're not doing great. They could be sellers. Do you do you expect any of the this tandem of Hicks, Gallegos, and Helsley to be dealt at the deadline if, if they're falling out of it even more? Yes, I do. I think at least one of them is going to be traded. And I mentioned that I thought it would be, I, th- I mentioned it the last week or the week before, that I think Helsley is going to be the one traded if he's healthy because he's an injury risk. And I think they can, he's always going to be an injury because when you throw 104 miles an hour, just like Jordan Hicks, you mentioned Jordan Hicks, he is an injury waiting to happen also just because if he don't, if he didn't change his mechanics properly, he will break down. He's not going to have this. Uh, he's not going to have 102, 103 velocity on on three straight days. That's not going to happen. Just, you know, it's it's just not physically possible. So I think one of those guys will get traded. Um, probably it's going to end up being Gallegos, just because I think the Cardinals want to hold on to the other two. But we'll see. So I'll also mention Scott McGuff uh, for Arizona. You know, before the season started, we're, you know, we're going through the bullpens. Well, who's going to be the Mets closer? Who's going to be the Yankees closer? The Dodgers closer? Okay, that matters. They're a good team. And Arizona, why bother? We don't know who it is. They're terrible. Why bother? Well, Arizona, as we've been talking all show, is pretty good. McGuff, four saves, um, saving three games in the last 10 days. On the year, 46 strikeouts and 39 innings for a 31% strikeout rate. And that is supported by a 15% swing strike rate. His career 55% ground ball rate this year, a .79 whip. He's good, and the Arizona, Arizona Diamondbacks are good. So I think that this is if he's available in your league, it's, uh, it's time to pick him up. Or at least it was time to pick him up. And the other guy I'll mention, this is if you're feeling lucky, and uh, you watch a lot of TikTok, Joey Votto. Joey Votto, he's back. Already hit a homer. Those TikToks are fantastic. I mean, this this guy is good. Um, do you feel like having Joey Votto on your roster? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure because I'm not sure about the playing time. Because remember, he's coming off of a shoulder surgery and an injury. I don't know how many days he's going to play during the course of the week. They may have him DH every once in a while. They're going to try to have him fit because right now what they have going there in Cincinnati is a good thing. They don't yeah. want to try to gum it up by, by forcing Joey Votto to play every day. Even because he's he is 
on the older side. And and right now they got a young, they got an infusion of young talent there. And I, I think they want him to play because he is the face of the franchise. But to pick him up, it's you know if if it's a if it's a, a DFS, you want to do that. That's that's an idea. Um, but for a weekly thing, I don't know how many games a week he's actually going to play. Yeah, agree. I'm just throwing it out there because I I think Joey Votto is a phenomenal player and belongs in the Hall of Fame, and I think he'll even get there. Yeah, he will. He will. Yeah. Pitcher preview, Ruvain. Who do you think uh, the player that you like to pick up for this coming week? Well, I don't love any of the two star pitchers that are out there that are that are not owned by many people because I just don't want to take that risk. So I found two single star pitchers for this week. The first one is on the Yankees, Clark Schmidt. Um, he's playing Oakland at Oakland. How can you not start him? Um, his last couple of starts, he's he has a three point three eight ERA, only eight strikeouts. But he is playing Oakland. If you want a chance for a win, he's, he's a guy, he's only 32% owned on CBS. He's a guy you can gobble up and, and hopefully you get a win out of that. Another guy who's been pitching pretty well, and this is on the Braves, Jared Schuster. I know we mentioned him before. He's only 39% owned in CBS. He's playing versus Miami. His last three starts, 3-0, 3 ERA in 16 innings. And he doesn't also get you a lot of strikeouts. But again, he's playing for a good team. And listen, Miami is doing well this year. Also, they have they're they're almost I think they're ten games over five hundred at the taping now. So they are a good team, also. But the Braves are just that much better. Yeah. So uh, I'll go to the the Yankee. Well, uh, Johnny Brito, he's back to start at Oakland at St. Louis. You know, at Oakland sounds good, and St. Louis has not been amazing. So might be worth it, especially if you need a chance at wins in your points league, go for it. Uh, Brian Bello, uh, shallow leagues we're talking here. He's got a 3-5 ERA, playing against Miami, and next week he's two-start against Texas and Oakland. So it's a good upcoming schedule. If he is available in, in your league, probably a good idea to snag him up. And Wade Miley, he was really doing great before he got injured, and he's back now, and he looked good so far. He's playing against the Mets uh, at New York, which is a good park, and then he's to start against the Cubs and Cincinnati. I think that's decent. Um, so, you know, especially in the points leagues, uh, I got him in Tat Wars head-to-head points. So, Wade Miley, he is my guy. And that's a, that's a good thing you mentioned. You mentioned they may, maybe one start this week, but two starts possibly the following week. Same goes for the two guys that I mentioned. They're both possible two start next week. So, you may get a one good start now, then you'll have the option of maybe having a two-star pitcher the following week. Yeah, we were talking before the show about you know, the balance between holding your ratios and going for quantity. And, you know, in some leagues, you know, it, it, you might be, you might have some points to give up in the ratio stats, but the counting stats, the strikeouts, the wins are so tight in Roto that it might be worth the trade-off. Um, you know, this year it's been a little bit different because, you know, the wins are less, you, you, you can't look for the volume on the waiver wire as you have in the past. I mean, Pitchers are not going five innings. They're, they're not going deep. They're not going six. And they're not even going five innings. Um, the waiver wire is really barren unless you're in a shallow league. A shallow league could still go for volume. But if you're in a 15, maybe even a 12 even, um, it's getting harder and harder to play off the waiver wire. Uh, so uh, I don't know. What's your take on it this year? I, I think that I would hold ratios a little bit longer. Um, un- unless it's so obvious that the trade-off is, is you need it. 
Well, it really depends on how you're doing in your league. I mean, if, if you have a bunch of points to gain and wins, like it's a very tight and bunched up together, then it may be worth it to spend that extra fab now to get that two-star pitcher or the one-star pitcher this week, two-star pitcher next week, because you may not care too much about the ERA and whip, because ERA and whip can be made up over the course of a couple of weeks. You still can do that, because if you have a bunch of relievers on your roster or you have guys who can stabilize your ERA, then you can go after one of those types of guys. If you don't have one of those and your ERA is shot and, and, your, and your whip is shot, then there's no reason why you can't go over after them. But if you're, if you're trying to maintain your ERA and whip, you can turn those two those two uh, categories around over the course of a couple weeks. It, you can't do it much later in the season, but you still have two months, three months to be able to turn that around. So even if you pick up a guy who bombs but still gets you the win, it may still be worth it. All right, moving. Let's end off with the injury update. Been a couple of weeks, so uh, I'm sure you've got a bunch of injuries as it's been another injury-filled season. Yes, I do. We'll start with Aaron Judge, who was on the he's on the aisle with a sprained right big toe. Aaron Boone said this week that Judge, quote unquote, experienced a little bit of a breakthrough after a second PRP injection. He believes that quote Judge is starting to turn a corner in his recovery but he wouldn't give a date on when he's coming back. So he has not yet been cleared for baseball activities. He's just begun pool and strength, strength, uh, strengthening for pool work and strengthening for his foot. So that's a first step in the right direction. But again, there's no timeline for who he's going to come back. So, and he wouldn't, and, and Aaron Boone actually got angry when trying to, when the reporters tried to press him on that. So there is no timeline for his return yet. Brian Reynolds was just placed on the IL earlier today, actually, with lower back inflammation. The Pirates actually originally thought they would not have to place him on the IL, but they did anyway. Jose Palacios is a guy who can take up some playing time. Also, Henry Davis, the catching prospect, is actually his first start in the majors wasn't a catcher, but it was in right field, and he had a nice hard double his first at bat, which I saw. Very good uh, prospect. If those two guys are available, I think those are guys you can actually get some good playing time out of. Jazz Chisholm is supposed is on the aisle with turf toe. He is on a rehab assignment and could return this weekend or the beginning of next. But even after he returns, he will still have to undergo surgery at the end of the season to fix the issue, which means that for the rest of the season, he's going to have to manage whatever he has, his injury, the turf toe, and get through the rest of the season. Does that mean less playing time? Probably. Does that mean more time maybe at DH or less stolen bases? That's a possibility also. Mike Clevenger was placed on the aisle with right biceps inflammation soreness. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn said this week that he's hopeful that Clevenger will be ready to resume throwing by the end of this week, but there is no timeline for his return. Tanner Houck was hit in the face by a comebacker. He will undergo surgery for, to repair a facial fracture. The procedure will involve the insertion of a plate in his right cheek where he got struck. There's no timetable for his return, but he hopefully is expected to return later this year. All right. Well, that's it for the show. I want to thank, once again, Cody Decker for coming on the show. Uh, fantastic appearance here, and thank you so much. Ruvain, how about you? What uh, What's going on with you these days? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out all these injury updates, as well as who's coming up next, what's the story with them. I also have a weekly article on Rotoballer that comes out every weekend to help you with your fab needs so you know when the player's going to be out, when they're coming back, and who to replace. All right, I'm Ariel Cohen. You can see my work over at Fangraphs, over at Rotoballer. Um, I'm on Twitter at ATCNY. And, of course, you can listen to me right here on the Beat the Shift podcast, Presented by Fangraphs. All right. We're going to be back at it next week. And, uh, yeah, sorry again for last week. But, uh, hey, that 
That's those softball wins where we're just life uh, happens. Life yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. It was you know we usually don't make up games the very next day, uh, but you know the playoffs were really scheduled for this weekend. Um, you know everybody was free and the evening looked good and my team was like yeah we could all make it and uh, I was just uh, got to do that you know. Um, so uh, thanks for putting up with that and uh, thanks for tuning into the show once again. All right, so again thank you to Cody Decker for being our guest today and from all of us here. At Beat the Shift, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.